We are back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're catching up with former Vikings cornerback, Dwayne Washington. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight's guest was the defensive difference maker who had over 800 tackles during his 12-year career. As a Viking, he earned AP Defensive Rookie of the Year nominations and a reputation for making key interceptions. He's the Carolina kid with a knack for the big play. Please enjoy tonight's conversation with number 20, Dwayne Washington. Now, it's absolutely uh, my pleasure to bring in former fellow teammate Dwayne Washington. Dwayne, how are you? What have you been up to just uh, give us a give us a quick rundown on your life in you know since 1994, right? Oh my God! <laughs> Thirty seconds, Dwayne. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot has changed. First of all, my pleasure um, being on the podcast with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Um, definitely, 1994 brings back memories. Obviously, that's when my life changed. But when my name was called by Denny Green and, and came to the Vikings, the first round pick there. In 94, um, just great times and great memories, you know, from that time. Obviously, as you guys know, I uh, went on to play at Pittsburgh for six years, then a year in uh, Jacksonville, a year in Kansas City. So I feel like I got everything out of my legs from a cornerback perspective uh, when it comes to running around against wide receivers. So had a great time. Um, Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina has always been home for us, and we've been here, you know, um, the entire time. We really never left. Obviously, we kept a home here, even though, you know, we played in different cities. So got three kids. No, not three kids. I'll say three young adults. <laughs> 22, 22 and 19. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife for 26 years. Uh, my son was actually born in, in Minneapolis, so I'm, mm. it's just a special, special place for us. Well, Dwayne, uh, you mentioned uh, 1994. You also mentioned Denny Green. If you could kind of take us back to maybe that, that night and the, maybe when, when Coach Green called you and said, we want you to be part of the Minnesota Vikings and, and to be drafted in the first round, my goodness, uh, you must have been off, uh, jumping on the ceiling for that night. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I was, you know, fortunate enough to get the call from uh, the league office to to be a part of the, the festivities there in New York. So I took the whole family. I think we might have about <laughs> 30 people back there. You know, it's not like it is now. They, You know, now they have so many guys at the draft. I think it was only five or six of us, hmm. you know, that were at the draft, if I remember correctly. It was Trent Dilfer, myself, Aaron Glenn, uh, Marshall Falk, and um, John Theory. He went number 10, actually, to Chicago Bears, a linebacker out of Alcorn State. So it wasn't that many of us there, but we definitely filled up the room. I know I did with all my family. But, you know, to be able to go up there and, you know, hold up the jersey and all that with Paul was definitely a dream come true. And, and obviously that next morning, you know, I was I was in Minneapolis and doing interviews and meeting everybody. But it was a really, really special time. Now, you were drafted uh, right before Todd Stucey, and I think you reminded him yeah. of that about every day, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. You know, we had two first round picks and two second round picks, I think, that year. But yeah, I went I went before Sue, so I think Denny Denny liked me a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now you're still you're still involved, uh or you have been involved with football. You continue it with uh coach in high school and Minnesota Vikings have a young man named Thayer Thomas on the practice squad and you coached him now. It's one thing to have one of your kids playing in the NFL or part of the NFL, but having a, someone that you had coached as a young man be in the NFL, it's got to kind of be the same thing, right? You have to take that type of pride in having one of your, you know, one of your students make it this far. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, um, 
you know, we were at the game against the Panthers uh, just this past week, and, and I didn't give Sarah a call beforehand because I know he's on practice squad, and, and as soon as I was, you know, checking in the hotel, there he was standing there, and I was just like, what are you doing here, you know, and after they brought him up on active roster. And, I mean, I just couldn't be any more proud of any any young man. I mean, this guy worked so hard just from the day I first met him, which he was really about eight or nine years old when we first met because he was getting some specialty training in basketball with the same coach that my daughter was. So I would always see him then. I, I noticed he had a, a unique work ethic even at that age, you know, just wow. getting extra work in. And then fast hmm. forward 2015 to 17, I was the head coach at his high school and, and was fortunate to, to coach him then. And, and, you know, there had some choices to make. You know, he was an excellent baseball player, and he was thinking of going to Appalachian State um, on full scholarship to play baseball. And I, and I told him, I said, man, I think you really should walk on over here at NC State. I really think you can make the team. And, and eventually get a scholarship. And lo and behold, that's what he did. And, and obviously had an excellent, excellent career at State. And, and now he's a Viking man. Gosh, somebody. It's amazing. Again, we're talking with Dwayne Washington, number one draft pick for the Vikings back in 1994. Beyond your individual uh, honors, what really strikes me, Dwayne, was your durability. I don't know if you missed ever missed a game. I mean, I just you were out there all the time. And, and in this day and age, <laughs> A lot of guys are in the tub, as they say, and it's hard to stay on the field with the physicality of the game. How do you account for that? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, definitely was hard work, and I think genetically, you know, my body was was built to play this game. Um, But, you know, I think one thing I did learn earlier on from a lot of the older guys that were there at the Vikings was that, hey, you know, once you get your shot, you know, you need to make sure you hold on to it for as long as you can. And I really took that to heart. You know, I just tried to be as consistent as I could as a player, and obviously I did everything I could at that time uh, to take care of my body. So one of the main things I try to do is make sure I made the tackles a solo tackle, if you will. Because, you know, a lot of people get hurt when, <laughs> you know, people come piling on and all that kind of stuff. Right. I wanted to make sure John Randall knew that I got the guy on the ground, that he had to come <laughs> and try to knock me out. <laughs> so when you were here, you were, you know, you, you spent some time with Robert Griffith, Corey Fuller, mm-hmm. uh, Orlando yeah. Thomas. That is, uh, yeah. that's quite the crew. Give us some, so give us some background on those guys in meeting rooms, etc. Uh, that's great. I mean, obviously, me and Griff, you know, came in together. They're still really close friends. Um, and then, you know, uh, OT and, and Full came in the, the second year. You know, and they mm-hmm. they came in talking so loud. You'd have thought that they were veterans. They you know, their first day in the locker room. So, I mean, they were just a blast. And I think we all hit it off and got some really good continuity going on. You know, even though we were young. Um, at that particular time, you know, for those three years, four years for me and Griff, um, we, 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 we had a blast and was able to make some plays. You know, I think we went to the playoffs. I mean, three out of those four years? Right. I'm not, yeah, the I'm only not year we missed yeah. was 95. That was the only there year you we missed. Yeah. You mentioned John Randall. Uh, here you are, number one draft pick. Johnny Randall goes undrafted, uh, and he's in the Hall of Fame. What, what, what did you see from him early on in your career uh, talking about work ethic and just the motor that never quit. And it remains one of the most popular Vikings ever when you yeah. hear about Johnny Randall and his impact here in the Twin yeah. Cities. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said it. It, it. it was really eye-opening for me because I knew how much I worked out and how hard I worked out. And then just to see him 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning already, you know, working out, jogging through the hallways and all that. I mean, it's just his, his mentality, the way he went about it was something that I think a lot of us inspired, you know, to be like, you know, because we, we, we saw the production that he put out, you know, each and every Sunday. So why not 
try to mimic someone, you know, like that. Mm. And I know for me, that's what, you know, I tried to do. Obviously, we're different people. I went about it a different way, but I was watching him closely every day because, I mean, this guy was, I mean, he was just amazing. He was an amazing player. And, Dwayne, what do you remember in those days from, uh, I mean, let's face it, look at the coaching, look at the defensive coaching staff that you were part of, um, you yeah. know, with Tony Dungy yeah. as coordinator mm. and then Monty Kiffin, who yeah. was my position coach. Yeah. But you have two unbelievable defensive minds, yeah. John Tierlink. Yeah. Um, what I was know. it like playing for Tony Dungy? I know. It was special. I mean, I mean, you know, Pete, I mean, Tony was just – his character just it, – it, it's amazing. You know, every time I think about it, I mean, I might have heard the guy, what, raise his voice maybe two or three times right. two or three years ago. I heard, I heard him yell. <laughs> I remember him yelling maybe I mean, twice at training camp, and both times the right. guy that he yelled at was cut the next day. For real? Yeah, he just. I mean, oh, he didn't, wow. but he didn't raise his voice much. He, you had to be That's pretty right. egregious to, to get Tony upset. That's right. That's right. You know, I think the biggest thing that really struck me about Tony, really, it changed my life at that time, was you know we had Bible studies on Wednesdays, and Tony would be there with us, with the players, yep. you know, and just listening to him, you know, speak upon his life and not shying away from you know certain questions, and, and it just it just really humbled me in such a way that. I was like, man, this guy's following Christ. I think I want to do the same. So that was a very, very, very poignant part, um, time in my life, and Tony was a big part of that. Dwayne, you were able to test the free agent market right before the Vikings went on that 15-1 uh, and one season yeah. in 98. You end up yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A guy named Bill Cower was the head coach, and uh, ultimately you played in the AFC uh, Central Division, of course, and lost in the championship game to a guy named Tom Brady. Right. What do you recall right. about playing against uh, that uh, that guy named Tom Brady with uh, the Patriots? Yeah, well, obviously Tom was young then. That was 01, and, and obviously we had the number one defense in the league at that point um, in Pittsburgh. So we, we, I mean, we felt pretty good about it. I mean, actually, we had you know, knock Tom out of that game, if you remember. But hmm. then the old Wiley veteran got in there, Drew Bledsoe, and uh, he started throwing it around a little bit. But, you know, that's that's one game that, that definitely sticks in my mind because it hurt so bad. You know, you get so close, you know, same way as the Vikings. You know? Oh, yeah, we know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, in 98, you get so close, but uh, you're so far away when, you know, the clock strikes zero and you know it's all over and you're not in the Super Bowl. So... But that's how it goes. You know, that's how the game goes. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more from Dwayne Washington right after this. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash skull science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with former Vikings cornerback Dwayne Washington. Dwayne, you had a chance to, to sit in the stands and, and watch the Vikings take on the Carolina Panthers. You know, Brian Flores brings a different he bring it's 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 as juxtaposed as of what we had on defense a year ago. What do you think of uh, uh, of the defense and with what you saw? What did you like about it? Um, it's sort of similar to some of what the, the Pittsburgh Steelers did year ago, years ago. But did, did any of it ring true to you, or what? What stood out? Well, I think um, the folks that stood out were the safeties. I mean, I thought they moved around pretty good. Um, you know, a big part of what you do in the NFL is trying to disguise, and it seems like they had a lot of that going on with the inner workings from the from the D line to the linebackers to the safeties. The, the corners, to me, you know, they seemed somewhat static in what they were doing, but I mean, they were effective. You know, that was the first time I really watched them closely. But no, I mean, I did, I, I liked what they were doing. 
you know, obviously it starts and ends with that D line. You know, and the edge rushers they they were getting some pressure. So I mean, it starts and ends there, guys. Is it, is it the hardest position still when you watch? And there's always controversy when you look at some of the calls that are made. Um, the NFL wants the offense to to put up the points. Yeah. I mean, everyone's always said that. Has it changed? Yeah. As as the, as the game even gotten more difficult for a man who played your position? to master it, given the fact that no matter what, it seems like the, the flag's going to come out for defensive holding or pass interference? You know, I, I think that that's somewhat relative. It has started to change when I played. I mean, we still could tug a little bit more, I think, than they can now. But more importantly, it's just what's changed up front. You know, the D linemen, they have such a, a small window to hit, if you will, when it comes mm-hmm. to quarterbacks. You know, so quarterbacks, they, they stand in there a little bit longer than they, <laughs> they typically would have when, when we were playing. They, they were going to get that ball out pretty much in three seconds because they took a lot more hits back then. So they, that ball came out a lot quicker. How many more interceptions would you have had if you were able to wear the gloves that they have now? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. If it was, <laughs> I mean, it's not just the gloves, you know, the hand-eye coordination and all that. I mean, I, I definitely missed some. I ended up with 31, but I, I think I would have definitely got over 40, no question. You got to ch- a chance to play for some big-name head coaches. We mentioned the late Denny Green here, of course, with the Vikings, Bill Cowher in Pittsburgh. Jack Del Rio, the former linebacker here with Minnesota in, in Jacksonville, yeah. and uh, the legendary Dick Vermeil in Kansas City. I mean, I, I assume you learned quite a bit from all of them in different different facets of your your game and your and your life as well. Yeah, I really did. I mean, and they, and you know, I never really thought of this, but they all are so different. You know, mm-hmm. so unique. I mean, obviously, when I walked into to Jacksonville. Jack is laying on the on the training table. You know, he's getting treatment. You know? <laughs> and, and the fact that, you know, I played with him in Minnesota, that was somewhat odd initially. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I figured out real quick, okay, hold on now. He's the head coach now. You know? <laughs> so, um, I thought that was great. And, then, and to get Dick Vermeil, um, his last year in coaching was was really, really unique. Because he was still the same as he was in 1985. We still was having the three-hour practices and all this. You know, it was just – it was tough. Yeah, that was a that was a tough place to end your career, right? I mean, you're, you're – It really you're, was. I knew, I knew it was over after that. <laughs> but, but really admired him because I'd never seen anybody as passionate about the game as he was. And obviously, as you guys know, he, he wore it on his sleeve. He didn't – you know, he didn't mind breaking down, you know, but but you saw where it was coming from, you know, just being in the locker room with him. So, and I, you know what I mean, you can't say enough about, about Coach Kyer and the type of coach he is. He obviously he just went to the ring of honor here at NC State. So I just mm-hmm. saw him this past weekend on Friday. So that was a well deserved honor for him. We got to, you know, chop it up a little, little old memories there. And, and I mean, then Denny's my guy because, like I said, Denny took a chance on me. So, yeah, that's my guy. You, uh, what was your, what was your welcome to the NFL moment as far as receivers go? I, I just remember mine being my first start in '95 against Barry Sanders. Oh boy! Right, and then for you know for you, what receivers stand out in your career in your mind that were just uh, you know number one when you're kind of in awe on them, you don't even can't even believe you're on the field with them, and then the other guys that impressed you along the way. Well, for me, it goes back to the first game. If, I'm, if I remember correctly, I think our first game was at Green Bay. Correct. Um, and we obviously playing against my man, Sterling Sharp, and being a, you know, a North Carolina, South Carolina guy, knew him and admired him um, growing up. And, and, to, and he was really in his prime, you know, at that time. 
So, I mean, I didn't sleep much, you know, the night before, <laughs> you know, in that game. Um, but I can remember just running around, you know, trying to make plays and stuff. And, and about midway through the third quarter or whatever, he kind of tapped me on the butt after I broke a play up. He's like, oh, you'll be all right, young fella. You know, and that did so much for my confidence, wow. you know, because I'm like, man, this is sterling, you know. <laughs> He's telling me I'm going to be all right. So, and I think from there, you know, that just helped me tremendously to move forward. And I learned really, really quick that, you can't worry about the name on the back of the jersey because all these guys are pros, man. They all are great. Talking with former Viking cornerback Dwayne Washington, you who has proven you can go home again. You're back in your hometown in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, why has that area meant so much to you post-career and as you continue to uh, help young people and, and help the community? Yeah, I mean, I'm just a you know North Carolina guy, South Carolina. I was, I was born in South Carolina. We moved here when I was two, and. Um, and this is just home. This is home. This is where all the family is. So we knew we would. We wanted to be close near family. You know, raising the kids and stuff like that. I mean, my parents helped tremendously. Her, my wife's parents helped tremendously as uh, as the kids were growing up. So it's just a special, special place. You know, you're two hours from the beach. You know, and you're two <laughs> hours from the mountains. So I mean, you can you can go and have some fun on the weekends if you like. So um, just great people. You know, down home country people, and, and you know, we enjoy it. Now you're you're still involved in NC State. I mean, a lot of guys that have played in the NFL are involved with their colleges. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've got like stuff. You have stuff there named after you. That's how involved you are at NC State <laughs> now, right? That's a different. Yeah, that's a different yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean we we obviously were blessed in in NC State. That's obviously where I met my wife. And um, <clears throat> as soon as I got out, I said, you know, I want to to get involved with the university, and I pretty much been on just about every board over there. I just rolled off the board of trustees. I was on there for eight years. And, and throughout that time, we definitely have made some commitments to the school. Last one, we uh, about three years ago, we made a pledge for a million dollars to um, the university. Half of that goes to the university, half goes to the athletic department. Um, just to help our young people, you know, um, in all different facets, whether that's scholarships and football or whether that's helping kids get access to um, different camps and stuff in the summertime from a university perspective. We do all we can as a family to be involved because, um, you know, especially at PWIs, I think they need to see, you know, more and more minorities be involved from yeah. a financial perspective. And, Dwayne, Dwayne, I'm telling you, that's what Denny saw in you. I right? appreciate it. That's what Denny saw in you. I know yeah. he saw that in you, and that's why he drafted you when he did. Well, hey, Dwayne Washington, it's uh, it's been great catching up with you today. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your skull stories with us uh, the, today and tonight. And uh, take care of yourself and hope to hope we'll run into you here back in the Twin Cities again sometime. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Go bike. Again, a big thank you to Dwayne for joining the show tonight. All right, Pete, let's do a quick look ahead to the game versus the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. The Vikings, of course, earned their first win of the season last week against the Carolina Panthers. It started off, yeah, more than a little rocky, but the defense helped the team get their feet underneath them to secure that victory. Harrison Smith, the veteran, provided the ever-important spark notching three sacks, force fumble that led to that D.J. Wanham touchdown run in the third quarter. The, the defense, of course, has a tough challenge ahead of them. That's an understatement. They try to solve the puzzle always provided by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. But I guess if that game versus the Jets showed anything on Sunday night, uh, maybe for the first time it looked like the Chiefs don't look as unstoppable as they've seemed in previous seasons. So what do you think about the defensive keys against Mahomes as a former linebacker trying to keep this man from breaking that back-baking play? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a there, couple of things. First of all, you get Harrison Smith. He's a Swiss Army knife of football players, right? He can do anything, and I think the versatility 
is being used by Flores in the right way. And so for him, how happy must he be to stay here and be able to mm-hmm. be, do these things, right? Have some fun out there. So, Rosie, if I here's the thing with the Chiefs. If I told you that they had 407 total yards against the New York Jets and said, give me a ratio right. on run-pass yardage, Every most people out there would say, well, yeah, about 80% through the air, 75% through the air. No, they had more yards on the ground than they did throwing, right? So I think if there is a shift, if there's a change in mm-hmm. this in this Kansas City offense, it's in the running game, and they do a, a wonderful job. The old West Coast offense, when I when I first got into the league, and they were doing that out out with the San Francisco 49ers and and Bill Walsh and the whole thing. This running game reminds me of that because it's very, very well orchestrated. They man block up front. They don't run zone here, zone here, cutback zone, outside zone. It's a jet sweep look then with the counter. Everything plays off of what they have already done. And they have a guy in Pacheco who is fast, he's tough, and that running game has become formidable. So if there's anything that I'm surprised about, you're playing the Chiefs and you have to be concerned about stopping the run. This is a team that, yeah, okay, we'll take away Mahomes, we'll intercept the ball two or three times. Doesn't mean you're going to win because of this running game. That's the part about this Chiefs team that surprises me the most. Yeah, the late round draft pick Pacheco from Rutgers. What an impact he's made in that offense. Speaking of the running game, the Vikings showed uh, some life uh, against the Panthers. It felt like the, you know the combination, the addition of Cam Akers. We finally got to look at him and Alexander Madison. They got something going. They counted for 135 yards rushing. You feel this can be a recipe for success, keeping Mahomes off the field as long as possible right. against that defense on Sunday afternoon. Right, and we and I think we saw that. You know, the Vikings had a one touchdown lead with about eight minutes left, and we get the football. It's like that's where you that's where you want to have a running game, right? right? I think the addition of Cam Akers has helped only because the first couple times he touched the football. Just the way he operates in this system, it was it, for him. It just looked like it was very familiar, and I I do believe that that is going to help Alexander Madison not only from a mm-hmm. motivational standpoint and saying, hey, I got to share you know share touches with somebody else, but just how he went about doing it. Uh, so the running game is starting to emerge. You know, he had 120 yards rushing going mm-hmm. into the fourth quarter. They have to keep building on it because you know what Kirk does as well as any quarterback in the league, and that's play action. He's so deadly when he can play fake, turn his back on a defense, get to the top of his drop, and hit J.J. in stride across the middle of the field. Those are the kinds of plays that keep defensive coordinators up at night, and if we can run the ball, I think we can do that. Well, the Vikings uh, looking for that first uh, home win of the season. Of course, their fans will be loud as always. We'll look to give the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes a warm welcome during their inaugural visit to U.S. Bank Stadium Sunday afternoon. Keep in mind, it's a 325 start, so fans should be sure to enjoy the festivities early and often before that showdown begins. Well, Pete, always a pleasure having you on the show, and thank you fans for tuning into another edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.